Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm in the studio with Rachel. Rachel, what's going on? How's it going? I'm going pretty good. Yeah, crazy week. Crazy week. This is this is at the re- date of yeah. recording. <laughs> we have opened a daycare, as you can hear. Um, <laughs> we have a guest tonight, and uh, and you know we're a family friendly podcast for the most part, even though we are marked explicit, mainly because of content that we might cover, uh, not because mm-hmm. we just want to gratuitously cuss, um, but. Uh, so kids might make an appearance here and there, or a dog. Sometimes my dogs bark around and stuff. You hear them. Usually my kids, though, because we live in 300 square feet. So <laughs> That's right. And this episode is special for us, and Rosie's not able to make it with us. He's on a, he's on a secret special assignment, so uh, he wasn't able to be with us. So he, he'll be back hopefully next recording. But it's November 8th. It's been an absolutely bonkers last week. It's literally insane um uh, you know on tuesday uh i did not vote until late in the afternoon i we i because i work about 50 minutes away from where i live and um i had to be at work at seven the polls opened at six so if i would have went at six then i would have been late for work and uh, i wanted to get up there because i work in dc right now i'm working about a block from the supreme court and and by the end of the day, when I left around three o'clock, three thirty-ish, somewhere in there, uh, there was already people lining up at the White House. It was crazy. Um, I had to drive down Constitution Ave, and you could see them all. And I was like, "Man, I don't know how this is going to play out. This could be really crazy," you know. And uh, just praying, you know, praying for peace, praying for protection. It's just kind of uh, it, it's a real uh, sobering moment, but. Um, we voted. It took about five minutes because there was nobody around. It was crazy. And uh, my county went exactly down, like for the first time in 20 years, it went red, which really surprised me because we've had this exodus of people from a real liberal county real close to us that's been traditionally blue for the last 50 years. So I thought, man, when I saw the results come in that our county went red, I was actually very happy, you know, that that was a blessing. But you know, <laughs> we still don't know who our president's going to be. Uh, if you go on YouTube, it's amazing. You'll see like the myriad of um, prophets that are like, God showed me who's going to be the president, you know, and uh, it's so fun. I'm like, I want to like save all of them. And then when when it comes down, if it doesn't happen the way that they're saying, call them out. That's what I want to do. But that's just the like, you know, the Bible nerd in me that comes out <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that's the petty person in you <laughs> <laughs> that too <laughs> probably more petty than bible <laughs> although i don't know no, but a little bit of both <laughs> yeah jesus would call them out but all right i have a did you know rosie's not here i'm gonna do the best i can and this is gonna be this is gonna work in perfectly with our guests all right rachel did you know all right so how does rosie do? hey did you know uh, the Hawaiian alphabet has only 13 letters. What? <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Like native Hawaiian? I guess pigeon maybe. I don't know. Hmm. But it fits in perfectly because we have, an, we have a guest that has Hawaii has had a huge influence on them. So uh, sit back, grab a kahi coffee, and enjoy. Enjoy. 
You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. That's right, everybody. We're back. All Out War. We have a special guest with us today. I wanted to play something real quick for you because this is going to be, I think, it's going to it's going to play in uh, in the future here. It's going to be used. So listen closely. This is our, um, according to CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox News, our president-elect. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. <laughs> In his own words, what do we Little need? Little Freudian flip there. That's right. That's right. What do we need to know? <laughs> Did he forget a couple of crucial pieces of information there? Or is it, yeah. I know. Exactly. Maybe his earpiece was uh, getting the wrong signal fed to it <laughs> to tell him what yeah. to say. Oh, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just want to introduce our guests. We have uh, from us the founders of Kahi Roasting Co. We've been talking about Kahi Roasting Company for a long time. And, you know, the past couple months and um, just a blessing to know them. It's um, Alexander and his wife, Kahi Kahini. I think I said that correctly. Yes, the coffee company's named after her. And I just want to welcome you guys to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Yep, doing good. Yeah. As good as you can this week, I guess. <laughs> I know. It's like, uh, do I buy ammo or do I buy coffee? Which one should I yeah. buy? Both. <laughs> Both? <laughs> Fire faster if you're more caffeinated. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you can reload quicker. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you guys, um, we're going to jump into the whole Kahi story and all that, but um, what's your guys, just just off the t- cuff real quick, what's your guys' take on everything with, that you've been ha- seeing as far as, uh, now? What and also, what if you don't mind, what state are you guys in right now? Uh, we're in Arizona. Okay. We, uh, we retreated up to the hills in Prescott. Okay, cool. Now you yeah, were... it's, a, it's a largely conservative area in Arizona. Yavapai County, um, our county voted red. Hmm. Uh, we just couldn't take it down in the valley. It's pretty wild down there. We wanted to get out before uh, before this happened because yeah. we kind of saw it come. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of people that were seriously questioning what to do when when, you know... Uh, the election came down so yeah um so what do you guys think about everything what's your take on stuff um well i follow politics very closely um i listen to probably more talk radio than i should my dad basically raised me on it so i follow all the stories that they present us i like to check in on the propaganda too because usually they kind of start to you know feed you what they're going to do to you through the propaganda, and then I go research the backstory and see what really happened. And um, kind of that, like, along with that clip you played, it's my opinion they always tell you what they're going to do. You know, Nancy Pelosi talked about it through the entire election, that they were going to make sure, no matter what, that Donald Trump wasn't president again. Yeah. Um, Trump is an interesting character. I He's probably the first politician I haven't been able to read completely. There's times when I think he just has lucked out incredibly because the system of corruption existing in our political system right now is uh, almost impossible to overcome. I mean, between lobbyists and, I mean, just 
if if the Hunter Biden laptop can come out and all of the terrible things that were on there uh, can be brought to light and nothing happens to anyone and no one cares, that's a pretty hard wall to penetrate. Yeah. So yeah. I can't ever tell with Trump if it's just the sheer luck or confusion he causes or if he is really playing, as the people tend to call it, 4D chess. <laughs> um, I know. I've heard interesting reports that official ballots might have been watermarked and mm-hmm. blockchain. And that's why we're not hearing from Trump and that he's going to bust that out tomorrow and be like, well, here's the problem. We blockchained all the ballots and uh, we know which ones were official and which ones you guys made up and which ones were digitally altered and which ones were from dead people. Um, I definitely believe levels of voter fraud are going on. I thought that was going to happen from the beginning of this election. I, I completely with how, how much, Trump derangement syndrome there is. Mm-hmm. We fully expected that there would be some level of fraud. Uh, how it's going to play out. <laughs> Normally I'm, I'm a little better at being able to call it. And I honestly have no idea. Yeah. The tension is so high in our country. Um, I have found myself retreating to, I need to focus on the people nearest to me mm-hmm. and, honestly get back to focusing on Christ. A lot of my attention has been diverted to this, this political stuff. And you just feel the anxiety welling up inside of you and you go, Oh yeah, well, I need to remember Christ is my King, not Trump, not Biden. That's right. And I, I've, I genuinely, I'm not just trying to Jesus juke as apologies tend to say, uh, in there, but <laughs> it's really true. Uh, my, my attention has been so much robbed from that, that yeah. it's time to get back to, Realizing that, and no matter who wins, he's our ultimate king, and that we have to make decisions in our in our own life based on that. Yeah. So I've really been trying to focus on that. Sometimes failing. You know, um, I w- you mentioned the whole the voter fraud and all that, and I was talking with my wife about it this morning a little bit about it, and you know they have those machines that they that happened in Michigan with the um, they they came I think it's Dominion was the name of the uh, the software. Yeah that they use. And she was like, it was hard for her to understand. Um, I'm a little bit more red pilled, um, right now. Um, just over the past two years doing this podcast, it kind of throws you into that. And, um, and so, uh, I tried to, I did some, I did some research. I got a really great friend of mine named John Brisson. He has a, a podcast that's only on YouTube, but they stream. It's called, we've read the documents. He's been on our show a couple of times and he actually did a stream this morning about it. And I was listening to him and basically, the guy that is the one of the owners of the software, there's three different companies, and they what it happens is in transmission. So after you insert your ballot into the machine, it stores it on some sort of storage device digitally, and then they pull out the USB and they travel to wherever the main headquarters is, or they'll transfer it via the internet. And in that process is where it flips votes. And it was developed actually by the CIA and used by the CIA. And a lot of people don't understand that we, during the during the war on terror in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, um, we've we've actually overseen elections in these countries during wartime. And how do you think, and why do you think we would be interested in? You know, obviously we do it in the name of democracy. We want democracy in these countries, right? But the reality is, is we really want uh, someone in place that we can control or that we that we want in power for that nation. So it makes perfect right. sense that we would develop some kind of, you know, software that would be undetectable that can change to what we want. 
And so what's crazy about this, and this is just off, I never plan on talking about this, so if I get my facts wrong, they could be, and I'll probably get just blasted in the comments or some, some somehow, <laughs> but uh, I'll go back and fact check later. But uh, I know that this was the accusation of George Bush and some of the Republicans back in you know, 12, 15 years ago before Obama. And then now it's been flipped and the narrative's being pushed towards the Democrats using that same technology. So uh, now that just adds a whole nother layer of confusion to everything. Um, and then you throw in all the 8chan and the QAnon and it's just an absolute circus. Like, where is the truth? Like, I don't even know anymore. Like, I don't even know if I trust the two-party system in general. You know what I mean? Like, does it even make a difference? So, and, right. And, and there's, you get hit with so much information all the time. It's like you hear the most incredulous things that would have been story of the year. Yeah. We literally would have spent 12 months of talking about, and it disappears in three days because something else takes its place. Right. And I, I'm to this point where I'm like, I don't even know if people are able to process that much information coming at them all the time. And they just go out and they're like, oh, I don't know. I've always just been Democrat, so I'm just going to vote Democrat. Right. Like, well, do you do you really know about Joe Biden? Do you know about what they found on that laptop? And they're like, what laptop? Right. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and then it's like almost so much information that, that it creates the opposite effect, where everyone is just droned out. And then I almost think their their choice to vote is more based on how angry they are at the people on their Facebook more than the information they have on the person they're voting for. Yeah. Yeah. Like. They've been fighting with their grandpa about Trump and Biden for the last eight months. And so it doesn't matter what you said about Biden. You could literally have a video of him beheading someone and they'd be like, well, <laughs> I know, but my grandpa likes Trump, so I have to vote for Biden. Thanks, I have to Facebook. save faith. It's all, it's all pride. Yeah. And, and Trump is the he is the wild card because uh, historically and this is this is one of the points that my wife makes which I think is an excellent point. She says, you know, he's the great politician because he can't be bought. He came in as a billionaire. So, and and one of the things that he did successfully was he cut off all of these, you know, these PACs that these, you know, lobbyists that were coming in. He said, I'm not going to let these lobbyists come in. I'm not going to pander to them. And that was one of the reasons why there was so much hatred from actual people in his own party because they had been bought. They're in the pockets of these big pharma, the banks, the you know the the war machine companies, you know this this big industrial war machine. So he's in. He stopped that, and he effectively started making decisions that he thought was best for the country, which I think economically he did do a good thing. I you know I I was behind him on that totally. Obviously. The thing that's frustrating for me, in and well, the one thing that I wanted to happen, which I think is it's been set up to happen, is is the pro-life situation with putting in another Supreme Court justice. So now we've stacked the courts mm -hmm. on the right side. So they, when that comes back up, they'll have an opportunity to, to vote in that, and that's a real possibility for the first time in you know since the 70s when it passed, you know, when Roe Ro happened. And I just want to be honest, man. Like, and you know this, Alexander, because you're you're connected. Um, with Apologia Church out in um, in Arizona there. And so they're a huge pro-life. And the whole reason I discovered Apologia back in the day was I saw Jeff on a Facebook Live and someone had shared it and it came through my feed. I remember it was a Wednesday night. I just got home from church and I opened up my Facebook before I went to bed and this came through. And he was actually sharing the gospel with a Mormon uh, at a temple 
uh, somewhere out there in Arizona. And I was like, wow, this guy is like, he knows his stuff, number one, but he's not even afraid. Like, I was just really blown away. Yeah. And then I saw them in this with the same type of heart and attitude and um, passion in pro-life. And, you know, I, I, my first experience with pro-life was with um, a woman by the name of Melody Green. Uh, you might have heard of Keith Green back in the day. Mm-hmm. He, he was his widower, and so his widow. And so Melody Green, I was a part of YWAM before it was YWAM. It was Keith Green's um, ministry, and it was called Last Days Ministries. And I was the last kind of discipleship team to come through their little Bible school way back in the early 90s. And we, one of the things we did is we went into Dallas and we did, you know, we stood in front of abortion clinics and we prayed and we sang and it was like, just like what you're seeing happen now. And that was back in like 92, 93. And I remember someone spit at us. People were, you know, everyone would drive by would honk and give us the finger. It was, you know, you, you get abused for standing up for yeah. truth. And that's when I realized how important it was. And I came to faith. You know, I was I actually turned to Jesus because of a situation where I got my girlfriend pregnant. So it was really important to me to uh, not let that continue as much as possible on my end. Mm -hmm. And so so when I think of Trump, like he truly is a Trump card. I I can't. There's people that are telling me, no, he's totally part of, you know, the whole Council for Foreign Relations. He's in their pocket. He's like he's the system. He's just as much a system as Joe Biden is. And I don't know if I buy that because historically, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I remember Trump in his heyday. He was a Democrat. You know, he was yeah. fr- he was friends with the Clintons. I'd see him. I've commented many times how funny it is all these, all these celebrities coming out and speaking out against him. And then you go back and you can find a picture of them like having mm-hmm. a fancy dinner. <laughs> right. And, you know, and they're six champagne deep that he paid for. And you're like, wait a minute. You guys are like, mm-hmm living off his shine back then and now well he actually stands up for the nation yeah like it now yeah so i don't know man it's it's crazy i i do think that the prayer is the big thing i really hope that that watermark that that digital you know that blockchain thing that they've done with that they're i keep seeing the same thing i hope it's real man but it, it feels like another QAnon post though like, oh, yeah. he's going to get rid yeah. of the Fed and he's going to do this, like all this stuff, yep. you know, that's what it feels like. So a part of me is like, yeah, we'll see, you know. Yeah, I I also just part of what has been helping me because I get so my wife can tell you I get animated about politics <laughs> <laughs> at home and I'm yelling in the other room and I just can't believe it. And <laughs> lately, just because it's kind of my sport, I don't really like sports. I don't watch sports especially now, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right. you know, politics is kind of my, my sport. So this was like the Super Bowl and like watching my team just lose that championship ring by one field goal or something. And, uh, so I've just had this like kind of pit in my stomach. Cause I'm like, man, if they even tie in the Senate and they have the house and they have the presidency, they are going to go so wild with their policies and just try to make it, I mean, it's going to be like, okay, you can get one hunting permit for a white person. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what right. what level they're going to try to push it to, seeing as how they let all these riots going on and everything. So I start to get a little wrapped up, and I have to stop and go, you know what, though? We're a nation that allows 3,000 babies to be slaughtered to Moloch every single day. Right. We promote 
promiscuity. We promote, not us, you know, personally, but as a nation, LGBT agenda. We, you know, our churches closed at the snap of a finger. The, all of our churches across the country just said, oh, okay, all right, Caesar. Yeah, we won't go to church. I mean, I know we're ordered by God to, but if, if you don't want to, because we might get a, a semi-severe flu that has a 99.99% survival rate, then, yeah, we'll close our church for as long as you want, right? Yeah. Like MacArthur, Apologia, and Doug Wilson. And you there, buddy? <laughs> what our nation is doing, God allows you, to, he's going to judge a nation, and he will allow, what I always tell people is God gives you exactly what you ask for. People are mad at God often. Oh, I can't believe in a God that would do that. Well, all of the things he's, quote, letting happen, you're begging for. Yeah. Just like a person who rejects him in their heart, they're begging. I love the illustration was given to me once when I was trying to understand election early in the in the change to the Reformation, thinking um, that we're all running off of a cliff, pleading, pleading with God to just for him to leave us alone so that we can run off this cliff into the fires of hell. And he has the mercy to reach out and save any of us. But the justice is shown by us running off this cliff. Right, so both his justice and his mercy are illustrated. And when I heard that, I didn't really have a, a retort to it when I wanted to resist the notions of election and things like that. And uh, where our nation's at now, I mean, we're the things we're doing in public and we're allowing in public. There's going to be consequences to those things. And as much as that sounds like a downer, it actually gives me solace because God's promises hold true through all of time. And so it's really no surprise that. United States, what we're doing right now, we're getting the leaders that we deserve as a nation, but where Christ is our king, I always like to tell people too who are super worried about the globalist cabal, I'm like, Christ is the original globalist. <laughs> we're all part of a global community, right? That yeah. has no race, has, we're all, you know, we're all one people under him, and just going back to that brings my heart back down, and I can, you know... <laughs> Stop stress drinking coffee and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had, I had to go down to just one cup in the morning uh, now. I just do yep. one one cup a day. Well, it's actually it's a big mug, so it's probably more like two and a half cups. But <laughs> yeah, we uh, actually just recently because we we purchased uh, the espresso machine. We sold it at one point, but it's actually the first espresso machine Kahi ever learned to pull a shot on. It's in our home now. And it's from the 1980s, and we got it all revamped, and it That's works awesome. great now. But uh-huh. it turns out when you have a commercial grid espresso machine in your house, yeah, it's kind of like almost IV level of <laughs> distribution. <laughs> Just about a week ago, we were like, dude, we got to cool it. We really got to cool it with the espresso. <laughs> so we we're down to like two shots in the morning that are caffeinated, and we it's decaf for the rest of the day. Luckily, we have a really good decaf, so... You know, I can't really tell the difference, but <laughs> we're on the same same page because <laughs> it was like every news story that came out this week. I was like, all right, I need a double shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not good. It's not good. It makes me more anxious. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I had someone actually talk to me. Uh, they messaged me and they were like, man, I'm I'm like losing hope if if Biden went there. You know, they're conservative and everything. They're Christian. They're they're a little they need a little bit of more maturity in their life. But um, but uh, basically they just said to me, I I. I can't believe God's letting this happen. Like, I don't, how can he, how can he let this happen? And, um, and I said, you realize that 
God's going to let the Antichrist come into power at some point, right? So bad leaders, <laughs> they're going to happen, and it's all for God's will. It's all for his glory and it's for his plan, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it and, has to and happen. they've always happened. Yeah, always. I mean, Nero. Bad leaders have always happened. That's right. I mean, immediately after Christ, you have Nero, <laughs> you know, the bloodiest streets you've ever seen and we've had Hitler rise to power and we've had Stalin and we've had Castro and we've had, and there'll be more after these and every cycle of bad tyrannical leader leads to a Christian Renaissance of some sort in some way. If people have never been squashed off the face of the earth, they dream about it. They'll never achieve it. And it just glorifies God even more every time he does this. Yeah. And yeah, Yeah. there's no stopping him. Yeah, I mean, that's why the most important, you know, like, I I don't know, my neighbor came out, saw me in my, I was raking leaves yesterday, and I have believers across the street next to them, and um, it's kind of cool. We did, like, during Easter, we did our own, like, Good Friday service via Zoom. Uh, I wanted to do it, we wanted to do it, like, in the yard, front yard, but it was, like, super windy and cold on that day. So we just said, let's just do it Zoom. It's like, we're used to that right now anyway. So, but um, I said, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. And I was like, bro, dude, nothing to be upset about. We're holding, I'm holding out for the theocracy, man. And and he, he kind of looked at me yeah. and I was like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one we serve, man. So just got to put in perspective. I, I mean, obviously, from the temporal point of view, yeah, I want the best, most godly, most reflective of the things I believe in leader, right? We want that. And if I have a say in it, I'm going to, and I have the ability to exercise it, yeah, but that's never promised, you know? I don't know if you guys listen to Cultish, but Jerry, I've I've been hanging out with Jerry, and uh, he said, well, now we're going to be like the punk rockers of society. Because everybody's like conformed to these ideas. Like even the conservative side is not very Christian anymore, our leaders. Yeah. So the remnant hardcore Christians that right now in this environment are still like, no, it's Lord Jesus Christ or nothing. They're like, they're the real like ska bands now. They're the real <laughs> Salt Lake City punk, right? Like that's mm-hmm. us. It just makes us seem that much more uh, like rebellious, rebelliously cool. <laughs> Yeah. and stand out even more for Christ. So I thought that was a pretty funny way to look at it. That's right, man. And it's it. what's crazy is the rebellion is actual love, agape love. Yeah, actual love. <laughs> That's what I love about it. There's no law against it. Nobody can nobody can stop it. You know, when you just love somebody into the kingdom, like, you know, you just, like, it's the best. That's the best. I've had some great conversations. You, you just love people and then sprinkle on a little bit of satire every once in a while. <laughs> It's all you need. You can make it through any situation. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much what Paul did, right? That's like all of Paul's epistles are pretty much just him loving everyone. And then you could throw this little bit of like holy sarcasm sprinkled <laughs> through it. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. So let's, I want to hear a little bit about you guys. Um, I mean, Rachel, you haven't been talking and, and it's, there's no Rosie. He's usually super quiet anyways. He'll, he'll wait and then interject i'm always the blabber but um uh, tell me a little bit about um well I, which what i don't know kahini if you want to start uh, kahi kahi oh man i knew i was gonna mess it up kahi kahini if you want to start or alexander <laughs> if you want to start let's let's uh get to know you guys a little bit now that we're like 30 minutes into this thing 
I love that Rachel's dying right now. <laughs> well, Turner's like notorious for this because like during our wedding ceremony, I always give him grief about oh, this, man. but like during our wedding ceremony, he'd known me for like over two years and he still mispronounced my name during any like check before he was like, it's, it's Pizana, right? Like Rachel Pizana. And then he like, like says my name completely hundred percent wrong, but yeah. it's, it's okay because you had a lot of stuff going on, you know, you had to remember the whole sermon and you had to remember all your notes and everything. So, okay. It's okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to never let that die. You know, you're, did you know, you said it only has 13, uh, 13 letters. Yeah. And initially you go, Oh, it must be really easy to learn. And then you realize when you have only 13 letters that you have to make each word like 13 syllables long. So <laughs> yeah. when I started learning Hawaiian words, because of my wife, I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is challenging." Let's can we just use the short versions of everything? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then they mean something completely different. I know. And then if they <laughs> used the short version, it was like I was trying to say your name, but I just called you like a grumpy fish or something. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, okay, backgrounds for both of you guys. So you're from Hawaii, uh, Kahi. Yeah, so my dad is Hawaiian, Japanese, Filipino, and he met my mom at the University of Utah, Uh, and she's like really great Mormon stock. She's like Scottish and German, (laughs) and grew up LDS, Uh, and they met, and I went back and forth between Salt Lake and Hawaii for my childhood. Wow. So, And then you guys met? Uh, in Utah or in Arizona? Yes. Yeah, we were at a, it was actually at a Calvary Chapel. Um, I actually was married before, uh, got married when I wasn't saved, went through some heartache there. Um, you guys mentioned I was Hare Krishna before. And uh, so I was coming out of that cult and just wow. learning how to be free in Christ and learning to unthink certain ways and, you know, hmm. I was pretty, I used to be a wild firefighter. I was coming off of a, a wildland fire season as a hot shot. And so I was a brand new baby Christian, and they started going to Calvary Chapel. And it was like the second time I had been here there, and I saw her standing there. And I was like, oh, that's my helper. That's my wife. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked straight up to her. I'd never met her before. Most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life. And I was like, all right old me would have been like totally terrified. It's like, I don't know if you guys watch Seinfeld, but there's a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza does everything the opposite and his whole life starts to work out because he figured <laughs> out that he's just been doing everything wrong. <laughs> That's pretty much the route I took. And I walked straight up to her and I said, Hey, is there anyone that would be upset if I took you on a date on Friday? She had no idea who I was. She was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, rather than date, we just read each other the riot act. As soon as we went on our first date, Right. We interviewed each other, uh, told each other all about each other's skeletons in each other's closets. Um, I said, hey, I kind of just want a traditional marriage where I work and you're the mom at home. And she was like, I've wanted that since kindergarten. I actually used to get in trouble for it on career day because <laughs> they'd ask me what I want to be. And they were like, she'd say, stay at home, mom. And they say, you can't choose that. And she said, well, I am choosing that, you know, at the right mm-hmm. kindergarten age. That's awesome. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, you are the woman for me. <laughs> So uh, we agreed that 
we wouldn't date anymore. We would just get married. And three weeks later, I asked her to marry me. I hadn't even known known her a month. Wow. Now we've been married almost seven years. Three weeks? Yeah. Three weeks. All right. All yeah, right. we chose ringside on the second date. Uh-oh. And what? I mean, where <laughs> I had been in a relationship before, people were livid. My parents were livid. Yeah. My parents were like, "You're just, this is not good. This is just because you're rebounding. You need to slow down. I was like, not this time. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus backing up. And so, enough, everything's been great. It's right. been an amazing marriage. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. So far. Hold on, hold on. We've got to back up for just a second. So, second date, but how how old were you guys? That's uh, that that does play into this a little bit. I was what twenty eight, and you would have been twenty twenty three. Twenty three, twenty three, right. twenty eight. Yeah, so yeah. you weren't. It wasn't like nineteen and twenty two or something like that. No, that would, would have been better. <laughs> yeah, that. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have skipped a lot of heartache. If actually, <laughs> if you go into our past. We won't go into all of all of the times it crossed, but I actually used to be her barista when she was a little girl because I started working at a Barnes and Noble cafe, and I was telling her about that job, and she goes, "Oh, I used to go into that Barnes and Noble cafe all the time." And I said, "Yeah, I used to give out muffins that were expired because I thought it was so ridiculous that they just <laughs> threw them away." And she was like, "I know because I used to get those muffins from you," but she was like, "What? Like a like eleven years old at the time." Yeah. And she could name the drinks I was making. She could name no what I looked like then. And we were like, whoa. And it also <laughs> turned out later she used to work at a clothing store that I almost came in and asked her out. She also watched me get married the first time in the park at my super awkward first wedding. Uh-huh. Yeah, I watched his first wedding and I said it looks like a funeral march. <laughs> yeah, accurate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but we did, she, uh, I started describing the first the, the first time I got married and she goes, oh yeah, I watched that too. And there were the two guys playing Frisbee nearby. I was like, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, she could name all the details of what was happening the day. And the, so the short version is our paths crossed about 10 times in Salt Lake City. And, uh, and we've been able to dig up quite a few. I guess we were always kind of meant to end up together. But we would have skipped a lot of heartache if we could have just found each other at 23 and 18. And right. good. probably have 10 children. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I need, Kai, I need your side of this, because that's his side, but I want to hear your side of it. <laughs> uh, do I have a side? Um, <laughs> I was just always pumped to get married. Um, and I actually was a new mom. <laughs> you can tell I'm still a new mom. Uh, so he was divorced for one year, and I had a one-year-old when we met. Okay. Um, and so everyone was freaking out on my side as well. Um, but I just, you know, the same as him, I, I just knew that that was who God had intended for me based off of our conversations and, and how much he connected with our son. Um, so, yeah, it was a wild ride. My dad said that he wasn't going to walk me down the aisle because I was having a shotgun marriage. Uh, he ended up doing it, but, you know, there was a lot of threats. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, look, as a dad, I've got a, my oldest is 21, right? And if I'm just trying to imagine, like, wrap my head around this as a 20, if, if my 21-year-old 
entered into a relationship with a guy that's only been married, you know, divorced a year and, you know, oh, yeah. second night, second date, they're going out ring shopping. Uh, I'd be like, slow your roll there, partner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what we got from everyone. Yeah, uh, man. But since then, all of them have retracted those statements. They, they're, they can see we were. Yeah. We, there was a lot of healing in us finding each other. So yeah. for both of us. Yeah, I bet. Man, I always joke around though. Like when I do my premarital, I actually I had one earlier today with a couple that next weekend I'm doing their wedding, and uh, I always joke around. I'm like, not well, not really. It's, I, would you rather weep for a night or weep for a lifetime? Like when it comes to finding the right person, correct? You know, and uh, re- that regret for believers is probably one of the hardest regrets. You know, that you married the wrong person is probably the wor- worst feeling in the world. But um, yeah. yeah. I, our premarital counseling, I got two pieces of advice that have stuck with me that I'd love to share. The first one is marriage is an amplifier for whatever's already going on. So if you have an excellent relationship and you're good at communicating and expressing your needs and you get married, that will be amplified by 10 and you will gain joy from that. But if you are having doubts and you speak to each other poorly and you don't help each other out, and you disagree on children, and then you get married, that also will be amplified by 10. Yep. So make sure you sort through all those issues because whatever they are, a lot of people think they're going to get fixed if you get married, and really they're just going to be taken to the exponent power. That's right. The other uh, piece of marriage advice I give everyone that my premarital counselor gave me in a class is outserve one another. If you set out, it's amazing. It is the only, like, if, if that is the only piece of advice you get for a marriage to outserve one another, everything else will fall into place. Like, it really is. Like, every day you wake up, people complain. Like, they hate being married. They complain about their spouse. Da, 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 da. But if you wake up and you're like, I'm going to beat her to the dishes, I'm going to beat her to the laundry. And she wakes up and the laundry's already done because you beat it. What's she going to do? She's going to turn around and try to beat you to something, right? And we have done that our whole marriage. And I am so grateful to that pastor who gave me that piece of advice. Yeah, It has eliminated the possibility of so many passive you know, fights or discussions that you have to have or little things that build up. You just outserve each other. You can't be mad at the other person if they're outserving you all the time. Yeah. You just love, you just, all you can do is love them. It's, it's like you said earlier, it's the love answer. It sounds so cheesy and simple, but man, just outserve each other and watch your marriage flip around if you're having trouble. Be the first one to start it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the... That's what my husband does. <laughs> <laughs> well, he yeah, is a servant. It, it works wonders. Even if you're in the middle of a fight, just start now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I we uh, I made a little deal with my wife when we got married. I hated laundry and she hated dishes. So, no matter who cooks, I'm pretty much always on the dishes. And yeah. uh, she's you know no matter who no matter how much dirty the laundry is, she's pretty much doing the laundry. Yep. So it's been pretty good for both of us at that level. But yeah, man, it's um, that's those are wise words. Um, always trying you know see who can outserve each other. That's a that's a re- it's hard too. It's hard because sometimes, man, you just want to, you want to like play the pity, pity me card, man. I need to be oh, served, yeah. you know, like I had a hard day. It was a rough week, man. You don't realize how much I'm trying to do for this family, you know, and then, right. you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, that's just oh, yeah. selfish, you know, but so how did, how did you get into the, so you said you were a barista way back when, like, 
yeah. so what you know were you a barista when you, in your first marriage like how did that all come about for you yeah so i started really young at that at that barnes and noble uh cafe i was like 15 when i got that job and i started as a barista and then as time went on, I ended up becoming a general manager of an independent coffee shop. That general manager liked what I did. I became part owner in that really young, wow. early 20s. Um, I started to learn to roast a little bit, gained a lot of interest in that, studied it more. Um, we ended up selling that chain of coffee shops in Salt Lake City to uh, just various owners and kind of got out of that. And I ended up... Um, ended up learning how to roast from the guy who supplied us beans. And then an opportunity actually came up at Black Rifle Coffee. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Black Rifle, but I was, I was their master roaster for about a year and a half there. Um, and I reformulated when I got in, (laughs) I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about them, but they, they didn't really have a coffee people in the building. They always called themselves a marketing company with a coffee problem. (laughs) So, They finally started hiring coffee people, so we kind of went in there and reformulated all their coffee, um, had a wild ride with them, uh, ended up traveling to Costa Rica and Germany for that company and all over the country. Um, Accidentally met Donald Trump Jr. while working at that. I didn't know who he was. It was kind of a funny story, but accidentally met him, didn't find out until after. My buddy didn't find out until after. So I'm like touching the guy and talking very animated while his detail gets closer and closer. Like, who is this dude? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, a lot of experiences there. Uh, got got out of that job and had the roast experience. And we just saw that there weren't a lot of, um, coffee tends to be kind of a liberal arena. Most coffee yeah. shops, coffee roasters, um, you know, they sent out an email about supporting Black Lives Matter and they tend to be kind of in that camp. So yeah. uh, there wasn't very many Christian coffee roasters and they just said, yeah, we should, we got, uh, I got laid off from a job with COVID. And they said, well, let's start a Christian coffee company to survive through this Corona deal. And that's kind of how Kahi was born. So Awesome. Man, well, I've had your coffee lots of it and i want to tell you it's probably the best coffee i've had i'm not i'm not just saying that because you're on the air with me (laughs) but i mean rachel and i we did rachel were you with me or was i with you when we went down to dc to counterculture for that day to learn how to like pull shots and all that kind of stuff and yes it was like a one day intensive i think i was manager at the time right yeah i think you were and I, I wormed my way into the van because our church had a our <laughs> church had a coffee shop and we were trying like I was kinda like the like I wasn't the so all of our pastors had uh I was a pastor and um we had management over different ministries and, and I was sort of like half I was asked to be like the quality control guy by yeah. the pastor that was overseeing it. He was like admin minded, so he was all worried about like the numbers. Like, are we, are we selling enough coffee? Are we make, you know, whatever. And I was like, it doesn't matter if the coffee's t- horrible, who's going to come back and buy it? Even though it's a captured audience because they're at church, which is the, the, the least discriminate audience you can get is church people because number one, they're happy to be there and they just want coffee to look cool and hang out with their friends and talk about Jesus. So yeah, yeah but we had like ridiculously good coffee. We did. Like we did. in the area, we, we were one of the top competitors, but we were just, solely selling to the congregation. Right. 
So and everybody I, was spoiled. I know. And I tell yeah. you, it was great. I mean, we actually set a standard in the community for coffee level. Mm. It was really good. But we went down there. It is not easy to learn how to pull a shot, man. I still remember. They're like, you got to check the humidity nope. of the room and, and where the bean was made and like, yep. like the temperature of the water and the draw time amount. And there's so many factors. It's like a chemistry lab. And uh, it has gotten so out of hand on the science side because we have so many instruments to measure various aspects of coffee. Now that process of measurement starts at origin, like where they're picking the beans and they're measuring what the humidity is at the origin and what humidity it was stored at and what kind of containers it's in. And you're, Oh, when you work at a place that's like manufacturing coffee on a large scale, there's literally a lab. They call it the coffee lab that every company has where you're measuring the size of the grain of the coffee that you're making. Uh, you're just pulling shots after shots after shots, you know, and measuring how much crema comes out. I mean, you can get way down the rabbit hole with coffee <laughs> measurements. Sometimes it's almost a little much. Yeah. I mean, it it is a little much sometimes, but I, this is what I, all I remember is this is a one day intensive that we went down to learn from counterculture. Like it's almost like a weird joke. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they basically said, Hey, um, we're going to be your bean supplier. So we want to, we want you to know how to like at least pull shots from our coffee and do pour overs. And so I remember about halfway through the espresso, uh, training, I just tapped out. I was like, they've, there's language I don't even understand here. They're, <laughs> and I'm not going to be behind the bar. Like I knew I wasn't going to be behind the bar. So I was just like, I, I had a dream in my head that someday I'd have an espresso machine at my house. And so then I would at least know how to work it. Yeah. When I started researching the cost of those machines, no, no thanks. Three grand yeah. for yeah. like a good one. Yeah. Yep. Just wait till That's Maggie on gets, gets one for you or like Maggie can help teach you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, right? She can help with installing it. Yeah. Yeah, I tried giving Andrew a lesson and I don't think we lasted five minutes. He was like, Nope, nope, nope. I'm not gonna master this and you know, one lesson, nope. I did yeah. I did get good at the doing pour overs though, because I was the only one yeah. like after you left the church, I was the only one that knew how to get the grind right for what the beans we were using. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, and people would come to my office, Micah even would come to my office occasionally, the worship pastor, which is a big deal because he was a coffee snob and be mm -hmm. like, he's like, Hey, you want to do pour over? Cause I would, I would always go to him <laughs> He and he kept his own coffee, you know, like he'd buy his own beans and he'd get all snooty. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make you a cup of coffee cause it's, it's, you know, expensive coffee and. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man! It took him years to even like approve of one of my cappuccinos. Like normally, he was like, "No, I'll just get the drip." And then like one time, he decided to get a cappuccino, and that was like the big test for me. And he actually approved and thought it was did it make great. You nervous when he ordered that? It did, but also I knew that it was going to be good, and he had been being oh, a good. snob yeah. and had been missing out. So you well, know what I mean? Like, I got I got to I got to <laughs> But see, this is the thing. He just had a standard. And that's what yeah. I love about him so much because he had a high standard. So his quality yeah. expectation was high. And, you know, and he's, you know, that's his personality type. You know, he doesn't cut corners, you know. I remember his vehicle was always spotless. And anyways, anyway, just mm -hmm. that's just how he was. Good guy. Great guy. So There's a lot of costly people like that. 
Yeah. You being one that. of them. <laughs> yeah, me being I one of them. I appreciate that, though. That's awesome because <laughs> yeah. coffee, like some people, it's just a vehicle for cream and sugar. It's just a vehicle for, you know, caffeine, and they don't realize the art that comes with it and the precision that you have yeah. to have. And, and so there's like a balance, though, where like I knew someone yeah. who would literally be angry at you if you yeah. asked for sugar with your coffee. And, no, and <laughs> no, he would he would like scare people away from his yeah. because of how that. I remember yeah. that guy. So I think the sweet spot, we, we kind of refer in the coffee community to like 1990s coffee shops because you know how they were like when it was first starting to become a thing. Usually there was stuff on the walls and there's a lot of people sitting around talking, right? Yeah. Like that 1990s feel. They mm-hmm. had the older espresso machines. They, were, they weren't really measuring anything yet, you know? And then we went through this like error where we started making all these coffee. and then now what they call it now is third wave coffee yeah i think third wave coffee is a little over the top and not everybody wants a coffee that has hints of lime in it <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like you're reading the package and it's like tasting notes cranberry and lime and you're like oh i don't really want sprite coffee though <laughs> like just tastes like sprite tea not not really where i'm headed today so my, to me, the sweet spot is somewhere in between the 1990s coffee shops and the third wave coffee shops. Because if somebody comes in and they want, some days I want a Frappuccino. Some days I really do want just like a ridiculous whipped cream covered drink. And it has nothing to do with the drip coffee that I consumed this morning, right? So yeah. I really appreciate shops that like have both. If you come in, they have a killer Ethiopian that's just so, and it has all these subtle notes and everything. Thing it tastes good black, but then also if I want like a, you know, orange mocha chocolata, etc. Frappuccino, <laughs> because I had a really hard day and a borderline senile person and uh, a unqualified woman just became the leader of the free world, then I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, I tell you what, man, uh, when I, when I, you sent me some coffee when we first, you know, partnered with you guys. And I will say that your guys, uh, your Ethiopian, your medium, cause I'm not a, I'm not a dark roast guy. I'm, I'm more of a light to medium roast guy. Uh, your Ethiopian was spot on, man. It was so good. Thanks. I appreciate it. I, I have a great, uh, reverence for Ethiopian coffee cause that is the birthplace of coffee actually mm-hmm. that's where the plant the actual coffee plant originated cool it, it it's, yeah there's actually a new trend starting where uh coffee shops are starting to sell wild ethiopian you might see that wow. on the package but it's huh. uh it, it's all just the wild coffee that grows in the jungles in ethiopia and they go out and pick the berries off of it now and they're starting to to process it and ship it in and it's it's not grown on a farm it's just wild ethiopian and wow that no one's worth looking into because you really get like the OG flavors of Ethiopia represented in there. That's so cool. There's so many levels that go into the flavors that you're tasting in your coffee. Um, You know, what crops they grow around it, what kind of hillside they grew it in, uh, how they processed it, all of that stuff. So wild Ethiopian, that's another area for you to explore in the coffee world. Dude, we're going to have to look for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do want, I think it's, good for us to get make a little announcement here about Kahi. Um, there's going to be some some changes for briefly for you guys um, as a roasting company and uh, just because of life changes for you guys. And um, so basically, if you want to get their coffee, 
You need to do it now, between now and December the 15th. Is that correct, Alexander? 18th. 18th. December 18th, yeah. Okay. We're going to do like a little holiday run. Um, we'll send out an email to if you're on our email list, which if you join that, you can get a little 10% discount. But we'll do a holiday sale. Um, just after we moved up here to Prescott, uh, you know, I got little kiddos and stuff now. COVID makes things extremely challenging. Um, we we're going to take a, just a little time out on the coffee. Um, maybe look at, you know, some branding options, get some legal framework in different things like that. Just take a break. But I also am going through the hiring process as a police officer, which we did not really anticipate. Um, I think Turner told me, well, that's a interesting decision right now, <laughs> but, uh, we've always been, uh, We've always been a little bit outside of the box. Um, so I am going through that process. It's going to require a lot of attention from me. And I am the primary roaster and packager and doing all of that business side. Um, but it's about a nine-month process of, of training there. Hmm. And just with everything going on, the political landscape changing, I don't know what they're going to do to businesses. I kind of want to just see how aggressive they really want to be and really focus on the training process in the meantime so that I can, I can do that well. And I don't want either side to suffer. I don't want the coffee to suffer and I don't want the police training to suffer. Yeah. Um, and then when we, when we kind of get like a new rhythm figured out, we'll, we're going to come back with, uh, even better or efficient way of distributing the caffeine. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you want a triple blessing and what I mean by that is like, if you want to bless, all at war if you want to bless Kahi and you want to bless yourself get your order in now and because every order that you you serve or that you purchase through uh, Kahi between now and December 18th through the all out war tab it'll bless us so and you'll get blessed because it's great coffee and you'll bless them because it's a small family christian owned uh coffee roaster so <laughs> it goes far yeah. it goes far i yeah i man i well you know look we're as you know, it's been great for us. I mean, I just love, I just still remember when the email came through that you wanted to ask us to be a part. And then I saw cultish was on there and, and I think there was two other podcasts at the time. And I was like, how in the world do they even consider? <laughs> Cause I have so much like cultish. No, we like me. you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm always trying to get Jerry to talk about stuff that you talk about. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like all the you know the political angles, the new world order stuff in the background, and conspiracy theories, and they're like, you know, so good at staying focused on God's word all the time. I always feel uh, always feel challenged because I'm like, I know, but what about the new world order? Jerry's like, I know, but Christ is king, so it doesn't really matter. I'm like, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have they have an excellent like I love uh, the cultist podcast. I mean, they're amazing. And uh, they are so needed right now for the body because, yeah. uh, you know, what what they're talking about, you know, uh, right, in fact, right when they came on, came along, we had just started a, a series on cults. And it was, it was really cool. It was almost like the Lord was like, hey, check this out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, mm. but yeah, and I think that this is going to be valuable. I always joke around with my kids, you know, I, I know um, a lot of Reformed churches and they don't believe in the rapture or they, or they feel like we're going to go through the tribulation. I, I hope in a rapture, but I prepare for the worst. So, uh, but I always, my, I tell my son, he's 16. 
like, hey, man, we're just leaving stuff for people to find when we're gone <laughs> and hopefully find the Lord. Like, the, it'll make sense looking back and listening to the podcast. Oh, wow, they were talking about what was actually happening. Okay, now I see it. And hopefully, you know, that's what we're leaving is some kind of library for people to have as a resource. But, but man, I tell you what, uh, I'm excited for what God has for you guys as you know as kahi coffee and just as a family and in your new career you know in law enforcement i have tremendous respect for all of our law enforcement right now in particular i have some good friends that are metropolitan dc police officers oh, and man. um he he one of them he has been working uh non-stop since june and uh we were joking around he's like i feel like my overtime pay is like a second salary you know oh yeah <laughs> and i was i it was cracking me up because I was reading an article about the defund the police marches that were going on resulted in Oregon police officers making like doctor's wages for the year. Right. I'm like, wait, so you were protesting them making money and it made them double their salaries. Right. Good job, guys. That about sums up your platform right there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then their cities like asking for funding from the federal government to cover their salaries because they basically can't afford them. Um, because they allow all the protesting to happen. They won't let them arrest them. They won't, you know, shut yeah. it down. It's just, the it's so, in, the lawlessness and the insanity of our world right now and the the utter darkness that has literally covered the eyes of anyone to see what is right and wrong is just astounding to me. Like, 15 years ago, we talked about what it might be like, and now here we are, and, and it's like, I can't believe this is my lifetime. And, um, it's really hard to process, huh? I, I say that every day. It's like you can't. I wake up and it's almost like you forget. It's like when a close friend dies, and then you wake up and you've kind of forgotten through your sleep that it's going on, and then you go, "Oh yeah, that person's not here anymore," and you yeah. kind of have to readjust. I feel that way about just the world at large right now, every day. Yeah, and and you know, like to put my you know tinfoil hat on for a second, you know the we you know we have Agenda Twenty One. We have all of this yeah. stuff that's connected to this COVID. And we yep. do know that there is an aggressive new world order that's been, that's just been, it, it can't yep. get, get what it wants unless this nation is out of the way. And yep. the, the real, the real footer of our nation that's holding it up is our Christian faith. And so yep. it's so important for us as believers to just really hold our ground and, and just pray and share the gospel, advance the kingdom as much as possible in our own lives and with those around us. You know, love the Lord and love our neighbor just like that. That's what Jesus said. The whole law is summed up in those two things. And I think if we can do that as a church, like you you mentioned John MacArthur earlier, and I cited him in a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago, and I got a message on Facebook from someone, and they were upset that I used him as an example because I used basically I was teaching out of the book of Philippians and Paul talks about how his preaching of the gospel emboldened uh, the believers around him to share the gospel more when he was in chains and uh, it it brought the gospel to the whole Praetorian Guard and all these other things and I was talking about how you know courage is contagious and I said I used the example of John MacArthur because when he decided to defy the the governor's you know mandates it emboldened all these other pastors to be able to open their churches up. And th it actually did have a ripple effect in Southern California. And because uh, I have a couple friends that are pastors out there as well. They're part, some of them are connected with Calvary because I was part of a Calvary chapel for a long time as well. And he, uh, I got a message on Facebook 
first of all, they were upset because um, they didn't like the way John MacArthur treats women. And so th- we'll start there. Secondly, that okay. he, yeah. And uh, secondly, that he was ignoring science and he was putting people in harm's way for uh, the COVID. And so, you know, it, I didn't even respond. I, you know, I respectfully just bowed out of that one because that's just a, you, yeah. you're not, that's one of those ones where, okay, which you pick your battles, but I went back. So like, I, I was like, I was guest teaching at this church once a month. And so every time it was like every time, every Saturday night before the Sunday, when I would preach, something would happen and come up in the news about John MacArthur. So I was like using that to encourage the body as I was sharing Sunday. Hey, guess what happened just last night? California said they're not allowed to sing. They, you know, and then the next time, Hey, guess what? California yeah. said they can't have more than 10 people. And, but yet yeah, John MacArthur is, he's, put a statement out with his elders saying that they, you know, honor God before the governor and the governor has to submit to God, you know, and, and, you know, basically I was emboldening the congregation to be like, Hey, we serve something so much greater than this. Anyways, I got that, that science denier. I am. I, I'm probably, probably believing, than being a God denier. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, they talk about science, but how many genders do they say there are, you know, let's go there. Yeah, what science are we following? Are we following God's science or social science? The political science. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, and it's, I will say, I've always been a fan of, I study a lot of military history and I studied Rome and its war machine and World War II stories and different things like that. And there, when there is chaos, particularly chaos that is driven by fallen notions, there is great opportunity in mm-hmm. all ways. Not only from a spiritual sense, but from an economic sense, from a, there's always opportunity and there's always ways to survive. Humanity has been through so many catastrophic events and it always seems like the biggest one that you're in because you're in it, Right. <laughs> you know? So we're feeling this because we're living through it. Like you said, you have a cognitive dissonance that's created when you go to the grocery store and it looks like a zombie apocalypse movie and you're just trying to buy some grapes. You know, and you're not even allowed to taste them because Corona or something. See if they're good. But right. um, in those times, there's so much opportunity and there is so much opportunity to spread the gospel. There's terrified people out there that don't understand what's going on. One yeah. day they wake up and the CDC tells them they need to wear a mask and the next day they don't. And then the next day they need to be six feet apart and the next day they need to be 10 feet apart. What a good opportunity to say, yeah, do you see how the system of men is always on shifting sand and there's actually one system that has answers to all of these things. And when you are part of that system, God's system, Christ's system, there's stability on the rock that there is not shifting sands below you that even as men change the system around you, you can just be in a raging storm in complete peace. And that is highlighted so much more when these kind of things are going on. It's kind of easy to float by when everything's working great. You can kind of, you know, rest on your laurels. And that's why you see a lot of churches retreating right now is they've had like five decades of we don't have to do anything hard if we don't want to. We can just go on Sundays, right? But now that's being challenged. Now you can't even go on Sundays, right? And so it makes, like you're saying, it makes a huge statement when you do that he stood up to the magistrates there and said, well, Lord, the Lord orders me to meet with my congregation and to preach his word and to rest on the seventh day. And, you know, 
that that supersedes your weird Thanksgiving rules that you've made up for us. So oh, we're going to do that. I feel no, so I will bad not for have Thanksgiving outdoors on November 26th, but thank you, Gavin. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I, sometimes I, I find myself also in the, in the group of people where you just, ah, oh, you just want to be like, what are we doing? Yeah. Why is this going on? And it's like, you know what? Let's have fun with this. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Right. They, they obviously have an agenda. There's huge powers at play Soros and Rothschild and there's money and finances being shifted around. And ultimately I, my favorite book in the Bible is most people's least favorite, which is Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Ecclesiastes. I encourage everyone to go read Ecclesiastes. Most people are like, Oh, uh, I don't like that book, <laughs> but it talks about there's nothing new under the sun. To me, that is so, it is so uh, relieving to hear an ancient writer who's acquired all power, all money. He has virgins singing in the courtyards. He's built palaces. He's done all these things. And he's like, you know, all of this is meaningless. If I don't have a relationship with God, I've achieved all these things. And also none of this is new. This is all just the same stuff rearranged in a new pattern. That's so right. while it feels new to us, it's actually not. It's the same old corruption doing the same old thing, trying to stand against the Lord of hosts. And ultimately, it's not going to work. So that can give you heart and make you upbeat and go love people and be cheery because I'm watching everybody lose their sense of humor yeah. <laughs> real I quick. I know. I, I try to joke with people in the grocery store and they just stare at me with their Corona mask on. Like, did you just make a joke? Jokes aren't allowed in COVID. Right. How dare you? you can, I'm not... <laughs> on the alarm. Someone made a joke. Right. Everybody's got that, that non-playable character face that's just like glazed yeah. out into the... <laughs> When NPC came out, when people started calling people NPC, I'm like, this is the best day in my life as a nerd. As a, as a person who spent way too many hours playing games seeing like the general populace get called NPCs. That was cool. You know, you talked day for me, you mentioned something about uh, just how taking advantage of the times and all of that. And I will say that, uh, so, you know, I, my podcast library that I listen to is like very vast and very broad. Like I, I get the wingnut weirdos that are like, like, you know, I won't even say, <laughs> but then I also get the, you know, I still listen to Alistair Begg and some of my great, you know, yeah. some guys that I love listening to preach and get encouraged and taught. And um, it, there, it's been an amazing season. Really, COVID kicked it off, but more and more people began to question the paradigm of reality that they live in and who's in control uh, when all this stuff started to play out. And yeah. um, even just today, I saw, or Rachel, I think you sent me something. Um, they s initiated new lockdowns in London or in England. And um, the, the, the spike, so like, like the, the nonsense of the ruling party is, well, we have an increase in cases, but we don't have an increase in deaths. And the hospitals aren't overrun, but because the case numbers are high, we have to do these drastic measures to protect people or whatever. And it's really just... a bringing down greater control and you saw it in australia you saw it yep. in you see it in uh now it's happening in london it happened it's in italy and it's here. it's more than likely gonna happen here yeah yeah so you know luckily where i live um the people now I, I commute down to dc which is insane like i don't wear a mask at all 
and as much as possible. When I go to my deli that I eat lunch at, I'll put it on to go inside. But the people, it's almost like just a, um, it, it's almost like um, they just do. to get by. Yeah. And everybody knows it's not doing anything. Like right. if we were, if we just had a moment of honesty, like in the grocery deli or whatever, and we were like, hey, yeah. do these things really work? You know, because if this is, if this is an airborne virus, then this mask that I'm wearing, which is cloth, is not going to do jack. It's going to go right through there, right. and it's going to go right to you. If I, even if I sneeze, it's not going to stop anything. And so, you know, that's the craziness about it. Is like, I think just under the surface, people are getting to a point where they're like, I'm almost had enough. And you know, yeah. Whether you want to call it trampling on our freedoms, the Constitution, whatever you want to call it, I think it's just common sense is finally starting to get to the point of where people are or maybe i'm just delusional i don't know <laughs> no i mean uh massachusetts is going back under another like semi-lockdown with curfews uh anyone over five has to be wearing a mask in a public place it's like it's like and the Biden, madness Biden going down again. Ian Ken to yeah lockdown and mandate masks. yeah which fine. So. I'm thankful that DeSantis here in Florida has said no more lockdowns. And you would hope that he'd be able to hold out on a state level, but there's so many people who are just, they're so brainwashed yeah. and it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense because they can't admit that they've been wrong or they've yeah. been lied to. And so not only, not only that, but also being okay with not doing their research. They're okay with yeah. someone making decisions for them because they'd rather be lazy than fight or stand up for something. Yeah. yeah. And fear's powerful. Or what, or what they want to believe about it is more convenient for them. Yeah. Like, I think there's some people, I think that uh, affectionately called Karens in the public square, yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of enjoy the fight. I don't even think they care about the virus. Because if you really care about the virus, and you were super worried that you were going to die from it, and you're super mad that I don't have a mask on, I don't think you'd be at the grocery store. Well, I would no. come out here. That's right. They delivered to your house now. So if you're super worried yeah. about the virus, you'd still be at home. But you came out here, and you're mad at me, right, for yeah. exercising civil liberty when you made the choice to come out. So what's the fight really about? It's, and, it's called virtue signaling. Right. Yeah. And we, and we were kind of, we were just discussing with Jerry that the mask has become a symbol it, it's more than just the disease. You, it's kind of yeah. like if you see an American flag in someone's yard, you could probably deduce that they're more than likely a Trump supporter. Right. Right. The American flag has become synonymous with being conservative, where like the mask has become synonymous with, oh yeah, I'm all about the lockdown. I'm all about the new world order. Let's tax the ever living crap out of all of us and redirect it to our corrupt school systems. That sounds great. Like you. You almost know. And then you see a person without one on, you're like, you know, you give them the nod in the grocery store. Right. You're like, hey, hey you and me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're I know you're a firearm owning, liberty loving, yeah, righteous dude, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you lock you eyes. You lock, that aspect of you lock the new religion forming where yeah. you know, yeah. Fauci is your prophet and the C D C is your is your word giver and it doesn't matter if you have 15 charts about how a virus doesn't actually spread that way, they don't want to see them and they don't care. They want you to wear the mask because it's not really ever about the virus. Yeah. yeah. And I told my wife, day one of Corona said, this will never actually be about the virus. I promise you. 
There will be hysteria, there will be control, there will be fights, and it will never actually be about the virus or the well-being of the people. It will lead to control over us. And that really helped us mentally to get through it because mm-hmm. as we watched it descend into control over the people, we were like, oh, I mean, we yeah. told our parents, <laughs> we told all our friends, oh, just watch, it'll keep going forever. Yeah. The next president, it'll keep going. And, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, they're going to get it solved. Oh, okay. No. Well, that, oh, that, that, like, that you tell that to, they never seem to remember that you told them that. Yeah. It's extremely frustrating. That was my hope for Trump, that if he won that we would we would come into a season of reprieve from some of these you know insanity lockdowns i know that the these democrat governors and mayors are going to just they're going to double down and put their heels into the ground more uh but what i'm afraid of is if biden gets in they're going to have freedom to do whatever they want now because they'll be backed by him mm-hmm. And they're going to have access yeah. to funds that they that you know Trump was holding back that he wasn't going to help them with, and they're just going to lock down. It's going to be like you know the most westernized version of China that you could ever imagine in some of these yeah. cities. Yeah. You know they'll start enacting tracking, you know, with the contract tracing, and they'll do the. I mean, we're going to have our own version of social credit. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And yeah. yeah, and you know the farm. The this is the thing is the rural. The rural Americans that want to go and live on a farm and find a, a spot of their own and grow their own food and have a well for water and homeschool their kids, they're not, they're not, that's not going to be the answer. That, that might nope. work for a season, but they're going to come after that because the big agenda yep. is a carbon tax on you. So, like, it's, when you unpack it, it's amazing what it is and uh, yeah. how, what they want to do. And it's purely evil. It's absolutely mm-hmm. evil. There's no other way I around. My wife, it. I told my wife, uh, Trump made it so you got $2,000 tax credit for each child you have, right? From, up from 1000 He doubled it. And I said, now that Biden's in power, they're going to charge you $2,000 for each kid you have yeah. for all the, the carbon you're creating by having children. Yeah. And yep. It was I'm, only a half joke, you know? I know. And that, that tax break... Like when I had three, when I had three on the tax records, um, in Obama, it, it was like six hundred dollars per year. So I was like, yeah. man, I was getting like an eighteen hundred dollar bonus in my taxes, you know, back on my refund, and uh, so that makes a difference, you know. Oh yeah, we have some families at Apologia that have nine and ten children. <laughs> you know, I was like, yep. wow, you almost have like a small side business just by having children <laughs> because of Trump tax bonuses. Uh huh. The sad thing is, is that that would be like a half a semester for one kid in college. Right. You know, to go unlearn all the things that they. Right. Yeah. Well, at a private, at a good Christian private college, it would still, it's even more than that. It's like 35, 40 grand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So. Well, it's all going to be like you, you alluded to with the, the rural areas are going to go down too. There's not going to be any hiding. You have to be yeah. firm in Christ. That's, that's right. the first thing. That's the only thing that you they can't ever change in you. That's right. You can make that choice to deny him, but they can't take that away from you. So that's going to be paramount because that will keep you sane and keep you frosty. But what it's really going to be about is relationships. The people around you, we got to get back to uh, and where you're living, frankly. I mean, there's little pockets of freedom in how the mindset yeah. is around you. Like you guys are saying, oh, where we live, it's the same here in Prescott. They, they send their little health department goons up here because our mayors are like, are both Christian. 
And they're like, no, this is not godly. We're not going to go ticket businesses because we saw someone standing two feet from them. These businesses that have been a part of Prescott for a hundred years, like we're not going to, we're not yeah. going to go shut those down because of this little ticky-tack rule, right? So their mindset is different. But if you go down into Phoenix Valley and you enter a store with your children, you you looked at like you're a murderer. Like how dare you bring your children grocery shopping, which is an absurd notion to say out loud, right? Wow. But it's really going to come down to what is the mindset around you? Because if there's enough rebellion around you that won't give into those dictates and there's enough strong Christian people that are like, well, no, I'm not going to snitch on my neighbor that didn't want the vaccine. I'm not going to do that, right? That's going to determine whether or not, how, like how hard the hammer's going to hit you. And that's yeah. how it was in the Soviet Union, you know, and they're just yep. pretty much mirroring that system. And you're going to have to keep those itches away from you and live somewhere where <laughs> people have the same mindset. Man, I had a, I was driving home from work yesterday, uh, day before, what's today, Sunday, day before yesterday, Friday. And I was just in thought, and I was like thinking, because I spent time in communist Russia right after they, right after they, uh, uh, communism fell in '94. I spent a month in there with a at a church plant, and uh, I remember talking to my, well, the main guy, my main uh, interpreter, who was with me for the whole month. I, I, we were a team of forty people, and, and I actually had my own interpreter because I was doing uh, starting a youth group there in this church. And so I had meetings like every day, it seemed like. And we, I was talking to him. His dad was actually taken by the Communist Party in the middle of the night because his dad was an artist, and he refused to make art that would glorify the state. He wanted to do art that was inspired yep. from his own self, you know, his own heart and things that his own creativity would come up with. And they literally warned him twice, and then the third time they just came in the middle of the night, took him away. He never saw his dad again. And, yep. um, and so you know it it was impossible for me to understand that until more recently and i started i was driving home and i was thinking you know there's always more people than there are rulers there's more of you know of us than there are of them where's the tipping point like when's and why would you know a nation of a billion people like china allow themselves to remain under communist rule and mm -hmm. get to that point and I'm wondering, like, are we approaching a point in American history right now where we have to make a stand? And I, I don't at all call for civil war. I don't want bloodshed in any way. Uh, but right. is there a social rebellion that needs to happen? Is there some kind of, you know, stand? Are we approaching that place where we say, no, we're not going to do this. Enough's enough. I think everyone is feeling that tension. Yeah due to that notion and it's kind of unspoken it's like a it's like the elephant in the room yeah <laughs> when you have these discussions with people usually you don't get to talk to them long enough to get to that right to that point in the discussion but anyone that do get to talk to long enough ends up at that conclusion like well at some point we all have to say no because yeah. if we yeah. keep saying yes then they get to build the system they want and then once a certain level of that system is created you can't go back that's right. There's not really a way to go to fight it once they've got all the tracking in place and the jackbooted thugs that show up at your house because you're expressing God-given thoughts and, you know, thinking freely. Once that system's in place, it's really hard to resist, particularly if they take all the weapons and they take, you know, in the same way, I don't want bloodshed. I just, I just want to be able to go to the grocery store and not feel like I'm a criminal would be nice. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to believe that just two years ago you could do that. And now you walk into a grocery store without a mask on and they look at you like, you know, you walked in there with leprosy. 
It's yeah. That's just going to continue to build, particularly with the political regime that is forming right now. Yeah. So, and I tell you, every nation that has you know become communist, uh, they they were at a, there was a point where they could have resisted. Where yep. they, and and sometimes they do, and you know, but not enough. And yep. you know, and and unfortunately, it doesn't go that way. You know, go the way that they want. But you know, Americans traditionally were. I mean, look at how we came about, man. We resisted rule. You know, <laughs> we were. You know, honestly, we were looking for some religious freedom, but at the same time, we were fighting against the queen. You know, we wanted to be set free. We wanted to be able to, you know, have yeah. that. You know, and man, the revolution—it was real. Like we need to not. Yeah. It, just like you know, never stop reforming, never stop revolting. <laughs> yeah. You know. I think that right now we still have, and like people don't realize. I'm I'm talking about people as in like the general populace who doesn't realize that we still have legal and judicial processes that you need to do to go about things. You can't just go and uh, flip a, a law that you don't want to that has to go through many, many, many levels. Yeah. Not only just uh, local, but then the state and then federal. So like, there's still a lot of freedoms in that aspect, and we need to be working on those levels and then also work, make sure we are preserving that process because otherwise... If you're trying to just, you know, assume that it's the president who tells you what to do and we're a democracy, then of course you're going to feel like your president is a tyrant. But no, it's not like that. Like you still live in a state with maybe different rules than the federal rules. So people need to actually like take a stand where they are living and make sure things aren't getting enacted and make sure that things aren't changing if they don't need changing. Oh, yeah. But. You're right. You have so many brainwashed people who are like, no, it's the president, and the president's going to start flipping all these, you know, make Roe v. Wade, you know, abolish that and everything. I'm like, no, they still have to go through processes, like judicial processes to do anything. So. Yeah, and you're right, though, Rachel. It is at the local level. That's where we need to get involved. That's where we need to be. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, Alexander, you, I don't know if it was in the email you sent me earlier today about, um, you know, the the Christians need to like start getting at the grassroots levels involved in their communities and um, create, creating a voice and then being part of politics, being part of, you know, the system that's there because the only way that we're going to turn it is to get in it because they're not going to ever yeah. just say, Oh, wow, well, here's these Christians over right. here, these conservatives. We should probably let, give them a say. No, they're not because our say is against typically their worldview and <laughs> their lifestyle. So yeah. they kind of want us out of here anyways, um, for the yeah. most part. There's, there's a tendency, I feel like, for the modern Christian to kind of just like ruffle their feathers up and hide and be like, well, I have Christ. So, you know, as long as I get out of here, I, I'm saved. And it's like, well, that's true. But also men of old used to stand up kind of like we're talking about. Yeah. And yeah face tyranny head on and we're in some gnarly situations and the point we're at now we could actually stand up fairly yeah fairly well without bloodshed yeah. right? in truth if you keep sending your kid to public school because it's inconvenient for you to homeschool and then they teach him about lgbt agenda at kindergarten and you just can't believe it i don't know what else to say to you yeah you have to at some point there's going to be inconveniences and uncomfortabilities for you so we need to, as Christian people, be like, well, I'm not going to retreat from the police department just because it's scary right now. That's something I feel called to, and it's my skill set. 
I'm going to go do that. And then I'm going to be a Christian police officer yeah. plainly. And it's going to be scary and it's going to be harder in some ways because it is easier to just get along. But none of the apostles had to just get along. It was scary and hard for them, right? Really, we're taught that being a Christian is kind of scary and hard, but not at its core because you have the King of Kings at your back. Yeah. Sometimes I, it, I say to people, I go, what? Especially people that are fretting a lot about turnout, about things. And I go, you're literally in the ranks of an army that has an already victorious general standing right behind you. And if anything comes to you, he vanquishes it. Why are you so scared? That's right. Everything you do is already under his sovereignty. So go be a Christian teacher. And if it gets hard and you have to find a new school to teach at, then do it. Like whatever you have to do, go be a teacher, go be firefighters, go be policemen. Why do we not have more Christian politicians, right? We have the answer to everything. We have the the ultimate key to life in his word that he gave us. We should be the most bad A politicians you've ever seen (laughs) because we actually have a basis for our arguments. I watch these people arguing back and forth and I go, what, what basis are you guys arguing about these things on? Like you over here have this, this idea that's marked in the red column for the last two centuries. And you have this idea over here that's marked in the blue column. And it's like, neither one of them has a a foundation that even makes sense. But Christian people can come into the scene and say, I have a foundation for it. And you actually can't argue with it. It vanquishes the person immediately because it's the truth, the objective truth. And bringing that into the conversation is what a lot of people aren't doing right now. They're arguing about minutia from even Christian people. Yeah, I had to retreat from Facebook because of it, because I was just like, wow, you guys are arguing about things that don't have, you're not even arguing from a Christian perspective. I know you, sir. I know you are Christian. I can't read this anymore, you know? The, my favorites are the ones that um, tout Trump's morality as an yeah. un, untenable. I can't vote for him. He's he's too brash. He's too. And I'm like, there's millions of crying babies that are being ripped out of wombs, and you're worried about his attitude. Give me a break. Yeah. Like that is. Yeah. There. I'm sorry. It is a one issue voting system right now yeah. for me. It is that. Yeah. Like, give me a break. Like that, I, you know what? Maybe we need that to get to what we what we've pray, been praying for for the last forty yeah. years. You know. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. Right. Last night. Um, I was part, like, well, I guess they're just. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that uh, all of that is part of the reason why we're so happy to connect with podcasts like you, keeping that Christian chain, you know, big and strong and across the whole nation and hopefully worldwide that Christians aren't networking and building each other up in the way that they can stand strong or have, you know, dialogue like this to be able to combat when someone comes at them with the opposing opinion um, that isn't based on God. So we're sad we're taking a pause, but we're loving the chain and the repercussions of what our networking in this area has done. Yeah, yeah. We should probably mention that Kai, you ha- you have a podcast that you do, uh, pedals and uh, hold on. Uh, here, here I am again, my my stupid old brain. Uh, pedals and uh, pistols, pedals and pistols podcast. Is that what it's? And it's yeah. not. And it took me a minute because I thought it was pedals and pistols like guns. And I was like, oh, cool, two women that actually are like affirming two A. 
which I know you guys probably do, but uh, it was more like the flower, the the petal and the. No, pistol. no, it is. No, it is gun. Oh, flowers and gun. Oh, yeah. I'm an idiot. All right. You win, Turner. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I right, I endorse you even more. But you guys have a back catalog of of really good stuff. So, are you still on? Are you guys is it still available online, like on Apple, or can they find you? Yeah, yeah, it's still available on most platforms. Um, and hopefully, we'll be kicking off something again in the new year. Okay, cool. So yeah. So yeah, go check them out. I think I've mentioned you guys before, though, in the past, and um, and then also obviously check out Coltish, which we love. Um, our brothers over there, you know, Beacons of Truth, and then uh, and then keep keep listening to us, I guess. Maybe share <laughs> share us with a friend or something. <laughs> Definitely keep listening to them. <laughs> uh, you know what I think is funny though, Alexander was talking. And I know I, I, I tried to get in. He was he had a train of thought. I didn't want to stop him. But the minute that you, Kahi, said one thing, he stopped instantly. And he was like, go ahead. Uh, I think you've, tra- <laughs> you've trained him over these last seven years. That's actually a false statement. Um, <laughs> I, like you, Turner, am a blabbermouth. And actually on my police interview, they were like, uh, what, what kind of traits do you think a police officer should have? And which ones do you not possess? And I was like, well, police officers should probably listen twice as much as they speak, and I do not possess that trait. And they just looked at me like, great, wow, you actually had an answer for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just talk and talk and talk and talk, and I'm trying to get better at uh, letting other people express their ideas during the conversation. So <laughs> she's actually very kind to me about that trait. I'm, that is uh, something I'm trying to work on. That's all. Hey, all right. So uh, one uh, one last thing. I know you guys have to go. You have church tonight. Um, what are your guys' personality traits? Just out of curiosity, introvert, extrovert. Like, what do what do you guys sit on that? Not any. I'm not, very extrovert. Okay. Not not any enneagram. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Have we do a not number. endorse. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a number. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say we're both very extrovert. Cool. We. We network a lot. We talk a lot. We get very animated at church. We always say we're kind of because uh, we actually attend Apologia Church. Um, people there are so dedicated and so careful with their speech, and uh, just it's kind of intimidating to go to to go to church with the caliber of people we do at that church. Uh, they serve at the abortion mill and everything. And I always say we I feel like we come off as like the most piratey members of that church. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have the least control over my curse words. I, you know, kind of came from a firefighting background. And, man, we're loud. Our family shows up and our kids are little wildlings. And it's just like a clan of Viking pirates showed up at church. (laughs) So I would definitely say extrovert. (laughs) Pirate? Is that an option? That's a good one. Viking pirate. Yeah, Viking pirate and extrovert. Got it. chill one. There's also Hawaii sprinkled in there. True. It is true. (laughs) It's all about knowing when to uh, put your feet in the sand and uh, when to hit the waves, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been awesome. I uh, I look forward to what what uh, God has for both of you and for, for Kahi and for just everything that you guys have going. We'll, we'll um, let me know when, when Pedals and Pistols get started again getting up for when you guys are releasing new episodes because we'll let you we'll let our audience know i'd love for uh anybody who wants to check them out to check them out 
And uh, and obviously between now and December 18th, if you want to bless All Out War, uh, make your coffee purchase, and uh, we might get a nice end of the year Christmas bonus out of it. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, and if Rosie's ever out and you need a pinch hitter. You know, as long as people don't unsubscribe after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Send me an email. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I, um, I've been thinking about, and, and I, I got to run this by Rosie. I shouldn't even, shouldn't even, this is my extroversion coming out right now. Um, I was thinking about doing like a, a conglomerate one night where um, we pick one single topic and we invite some friends of ours on and we just hit that topic from just free form. And uh, we did a little bit of that tonight. You know, we were talking about COVID. We were talking about Trump and everything else. But, um, but yeah, I've been thinking about doing something like that. And um, yeah, maybe like we can hit that like once a month or something crazy. That would just um, because you know we all work like you guys do. You know, Rosie has a full time job. Rachel's like, you know, doing her thing. You know, serving her family and. And I've got a job and I'm still preaching too. So I've basically got two jobs. And so then when you throw in adding the podcast prep, you know, cause we don't want to be yeah. dumb, you know, dumb dumbs. We want to know a little bit about what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. it, it just, you know, and I have three of my own kids. So, you know, you add that in too. But uh, so we'll, we'll uh, I'll brainstorm with Rosie. We'll talk and uh, maybe I would love to have you guys. We, we always say this to all of our guests. You have an open door. If there's something that you want to share or sometime you want to come back on, let us know. Obviously, we'll work it out. How's that sound? Cool. Love it. Good. Thank you so much for having us, guys. We really appreciate it. And we love having a relationship with you guys. And can't wait to see what that means in the new year. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Well, everybody. It's you been have... awesome connecting. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, finally got to put a face to the sound of the name uh, or the, the uh, voice with Alexander too for even just briefly there. So <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys have a wonderful I'll day. I'll email you some glamour shots. There you go. That'll work good. <laughs> I'll need them for our Instagram. So, all right. Well, listener, you guys, uh, you got, you have a great week and we appreciate you, everything you do. And also I want to say too, if, if you don't mind listener, if you wouldn't mind going and giving us a review on iTunes, it always helps us in the algorithms and brings us up to new uh, listener audience. So that would be great if you could do that. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time on All Out War.